Welcome to the Inspiring Humans podcast. We are so happy to have you listening. My name is Stephanie Willard, and this podcast is a platform to showcase the incredible human spirit. On this podcast, I'll be interviewing people from all over the world and all walks of life who will be sharing with us their personal dreams and their dreams for the future. I believe that through coming together and creating community, incredible things are possible. In fact, anything is possible. And I hope that this podcast is a launch pad for creating the new world that we want to see that will have humanity free, thriving and living in their full self-expression. This interview is part of our Seven Women edition of the Inspiring Humans podcast, where we interview supporters, donors, and some of our courageous staff members in Nepal. It's so awesome to have Reese Williams here with me today on the first episode, the first kind of episode that um, interviews a supporter of Seven Women, of the Seven Women edition of the podcast. So welcome, Reese. Welcome. Thanks uh, very much. I'm very honoured to be interviewed. So Reese is an absolute legend. He has been to Nepal with me. Um, he's been to Nepal on a hands-on development tour, one of our seven women tours, and he's been a fantastic supporter and we've got some really exciting things planned for seven women in future to get up and running. So, um, but what is incredible about Reese is his spirit of generosity and that is um, so inspiring to me and to have him and his wife on our tour last February was incredible. So um, Reese, I'm so grateful for you and, and all the support that you've given, you know, over the last couple of years and can't wait to build some exciting things in the future. Look, same here. I think um, uh, uh, Seven Women is just such a fantastic organisation. Um, what you've done over the years from scratch is really awesomely impressive. And to be able to do something, particularly in education, to transform lives and particularly uh, being involved with uh, people with um, a disability are two passions in my life. So to be able to do that uh, for um, uh, women in Nepal uh, will, is just such a, a tremendous um, uh, personal, personal. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Personal, it'll give me such great satisfaction to see that come to fruition. Amazing. Yeah. Um, you've had such an interesting um, career that has spanned across cultures and languages and um, <laughs> the, the, the India and Vietnam and, and being involved in um, different projects like Koto. So can you give us a bit of a snapshot of, you know, what led you into that career and what the career has entailed? Sure, not a problem. Like many um, careers in education, I guess, I fell into it rather than um, uh, really want, had a passion to, to join it. Um, and uh, I remember doing a, a one of my teaching rounds in becoming a secondary teacher was at, um, of all places, Pentridge Prison. Uh, it's not. It's closed now, of course, in Melbourne, but um, Pentridge Prison was the major uh, prison in Melbourne, and um, to teach prisoners, and these uh, uh, all men, of course, these uh, these prisoners um, were all basically functionally illiterate, and um, uh, so much of their lives in getting banged up in prison uh, was due to the fact that they were functionally illiterate and hadn't been able to, um, or things had gone wrong as a result of that illiteracy. So I think that, you know, that was the first inkling, that was the first inkling that um, 
uh, education and training can have a really transformative effect on people's lives. So that was probably that was probably the first um, indication in my brain of the importance of, of that. Um, uh, and I've, I've been, I guess, over 30, 35 years involved in tertiary education, vocational side, as well as the higher education side, and uh, been able to spend 15 or 20 years involved in what we call transnational education, where Australian universities, and I've mainly worked for RMIT University and um, Victoria University in Melbourne, but where we form partnerships with universities in other countries to deliver an Australian degree or an Australian diploma or master's for students in another country, develop the capability of the local provider and do it at about 30% of the cost of what it would um, cost for a student to come to Australia. So this is the core of great bilateral engagement at a whole range of levels, right down to the people level, which is so important. And um, uh, I've been very, very fortunate to be able to do that in many, many um, countries, mainly in Southeast, uh, Southeast Asia. But 20 years ago, I also became involved with COTO in Vietnam. Uh, COTO stands for No One Teach One, established by um, a very inspirational guy called Jimmy Pham from Sydney, uh, an Australian Vietnamese who was appalled by the number of street kids in Hanoi 20 years ago and set up a two-year traineeship program my involvement was bringing um, uh, and supporting the, train, uh, the Australian Certificate Three qualification coming from Australia. And um, COTO now has around a thousand graduates, all who've done um, very, very well. And um, these graduates all come, or these um, young people come from very, very poor and very, very disadvantaged backgrounds. And again, to directly see that transformative power of education has been a marvellous thing to, to work with. Probably, Steph, the third thing, if I'm not ra rabbiting on too much, um, Liz and I, our second son, who's now just turned 30, has spina bifida. Now, spina bifida is um, uh, a very serious, very debilitating disability. And... Um, to follow the disability journey um, uh, from, uh, um, uh, you know, right, right through the life cycle until, you know, Tim now is um, uh, pretty much living independently, um, uh, has a job, etc., and so forth. But to see how important um, providing supports to build independence and to build capability and resilience and um, a great sense of self-worth in people with disabilities is so, um, uh, is so important and so rewarding. Um, having worked for so many years in, in Asian countries, particularly Southeast Asia, you see culturally um, uh, disabilities um, are very, very different to a Western model where disability is often seen as a form of punishment or disgrace uh, in the family. And consequently, there are a number of additional barriers to people with disabilities being able to reach um, their full life chances. So what you're doing in Nepal through Seven Women in a very, very culturally nuanced and sophisticated way is so marvellous to be able to improve the life chances of um, you know, probably one of the most disadvantaged groups that you would find, women with disabilities in, in, uh, in a very, very poor country. So to be able to 
you know, if any of my experiences are of, of help to develop some accredited training, to develop some uh, 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 greater training as a business, as well as um, uh, a support for women, it's just um, a marvellous thing to do. So does that help? Yeah, that's, um, I think your career has been incredible because it takes a certain type of person to, you know, I know you've done so much travelling to India and Vietnam and um, you, you've got such a sense of fun and adventure and even in Nepal, you know, you're just, your love for people and all the random things that happen in these countries that are, you know, just because our cultures are so different and uh, a great kind of zest for life. So it's it's great fun to kind of have you around and, and work on um, projects with you. But so what we were, if you just want to share a bit about the project that sure, sure. Nepal for the first time, I think it was um, 2019, just to That's check right. yeah, out yeah. and the potential of a, a this certain project. Yeah, well, I think um, the broad idea is for seven women to get an international curriculum, in this case from Australia, and we've got um, a vocational provider here um, uh, who's agreed to provide the certification um, to grab uh, qualifications that will benefit, firstly, um, seven women clients and the seven women network uh, for uh, greater employability. But secondly, as um, seven women is a social enterprise, it needs sources of revenue. So to be able to develop the capability at seven women to be able to offer accredited training for others for um, a very uh, modest fee to produce um, better quality tourism operators, um, chefs, um, front of house um, uh, managers. Uh, so to, to be able to um, provide international skills or internationally recognised skills uh, that will help people's employability. So that's kind of the project. And in so doing, it will really, I think, um, has the potential to improve the capability and the sophistication of seven women in a new area. Seven women's been marvellous in being able to offer um, uh, services to tourists, now a guest house, a beauty salon, um, cooking classes, um, uh, the ability to have training as a business. And maybe also we've been talking about, of course, um, sustainable um, horticulture, um, uh, because, you know, obviously most people in Nepal are, um, are farmers to, uh, or in agriculture to some description, that that as um, a small business, a high quality business, uh, will advantage both um, businesses and individuals in Nepal as well, of course, the, the key priority, um, seven women clients. So that's the broad proposition. Um, uh, most countries in Asia have many Australian and uh, UK, uh, today increasingly Korean and German providers who provide um, uh, uh, their courses with a partner in, in, um, in the country. In Nepal, this really hasn't happened. There's a little bit of UK um, interest in higher education, but not much as uh, far as we can see uh, uh, in the vocational space. So it'll be marvellous to get this going once the borders off uh, open and we can um, uh, get a team together to develop the capability.
So that's the broad that's the broad project, and uh, it's a very exciting one, I think. Me too. And when you first kind of, you know, shared the idea, I just thought it was so valuable because there's such a need for that in Nepal and in, like the the quality of education for them to be internationally trained in hospitality and, and tourism and maybe even the beauty parlor we're chatting about as well um those sorts of skills would be invaluable because especially when you know seven women that the, the main businesses that we the social enterprises that we run over there the manufacturing business the cooking school and the guest house yeah. are we're facing towards tourists so you know that's right god willing that'll happen again soon we'll have a lot of tourists but because because they are in the hospitality industry to have that um quality of training would be both attractive for Nepali people, both seven women, um, you know, um, women and also outside of that to potentially open it as an arm of income, like a, an income stream for us to, to train people and for them to get that international accreditation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, Steph, there's the great um, potential for developing partners, partnerships with businesses, with other training providers, with other organisations in Nepal to develop capability, uh, as well as to just extend the brand and the brand value of seven women in Nepal. So um, uh, this model of education, this transnational education model, um, uh, if you can't get the partnerships right, it doesn't work. But once you've got the partnerships in place, as I'm very confident seven women will do, then there's great value that uh, is created from those partnerships. Yeah, so we're at the feasibility stage now. So hopefully yeah. we can get back over there and, and do that. And um, so what, just curious, and for people that haven't been to sure. physically, what were your first impressions? Like paint the picture of someone like you visiting. What, what did you kind of, what was the feeling? What was the impressions, all that sort of thing? Well, I think after the first impressions of um, uh, a very, very busy, um, chaotic place um, uh, that that is Kathmandu, then uh, I think you um, understand that um, religion has got such an influence on uh, the lives of Nepalis, uh, a really um, interesting combination of Hinduism and Buddhism, uh, and uh, those those two religions influence um, all uh, all aspects of life much more much more so than uh, we find in Western countries, and um, just to see those influences in daily life uh, is um, is marvelous. I think uh, also with Nepal as a um, as a developing country, uh, the um, ability to try to develop, uh, but also to preserve. Uh, and to preserve those cultures and to um, try and stop the inevitable uh, increase in inequality uh, in the society, particularly in Nepal, it will be between urban and rural areas. Uh, these are things that um, uh, are the great challenges. But Nepal, uh, Nepalis are such engaging people, um, such respectful people, and uh, people who've got really a huge zest for life and um, uh, almost a fatalism as part of their, uh, their lives as well. And um, they're good combinations for um, uh, engagement. And, and then you, yourself and Liz, um, your beautiful wife, who I absolutely adore, um, came on the tour with us last February. And 
it was just so exciting to have you both there. So can you talk us through that experience a little bit and what you took from the tour? Well, look, it was marvellous to be on the tour with a group of mainly Rotarians uh, from uh, all across the world, from very, very, you know, from different, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, walks of life. But I think the the mix of being able to um, uh, engage with so many different people in Nepal, firstly, the women uh, in the manufacturing business who are running seven women, doing a cooking class, uh, doing an art class, all of those things really help you don't just scoot across the surface, but really delve into making, um, making those uh, human contacts. Seeing also the Fred Hollows Foundation, um, the, I can't remember the lady's name, but she runs the, the great leader in the free trade movement um, and others in Nepal, and particularly seeing just in the street um, cremations, and other forms of um, the cultural life of Nepal was just a very, very great experience and uh, can't wait to, to get back uh, to Nepal. Yeah, it's a bit, a bit of everything over 10 days, isn't it? So, you know, you get, get a taste of all different kind of aspects of society. And we were um, lucky to have uh, Zara from Scotland who came and took the documentary of yes. all of us over there, which has just been completed about a month or two ago. So... We're, we've got this incredible little 35-minute clip now of um, a documentary that captures the impact of tourism on the participants, you know, on the tour, but also the women in Nepal and captures some of the seven women stories. So um, our plan is to have hosted screenings of that documentary in, in, in a lot of different places like we had for our first um, Bringing the Light documentary in 2016. Yeah. And planning to watch that soon. Well, look, I think uh, we'll certainly be involved in helping uh, the rollout. Uh, if you want us as ambassadors for it in some way, be very, very happy to do it. But, um, yeah, look, I think uh, uh, the great value of that video or the great value of that, that documentary is that, it, just as you've said, it shows uh, Nepal through different eyes. The, the people who have gone on the trip, um, uh, seven women uh, or key seven women, um, uh, workers and clients and customers, um, uh, as well as, you know, other parts of Nepal. And I think all those different perspectives as a way of informing and educate, educating and motivating people about Nepal and seven women, I think it'll be very, very successful. And it'll be a really good um, uh, follow-on from Bringing the Light. I'm glad I'm glad you're up yeah. for being an ambassador because I had you yeah. <laughs> in mind. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be it'd be an absolute absolute pleasure to do it. Mm, be fantastic. Yeah. So very excited about that. We've got a team of five interns at the moment who are just doing an amazing job. Their their internships are 25 to 30 hours a week. So they've been um, yeah for two months. So and they're they're incredible. They've most of them are kind of. Um, in Canada and so two in Canada two in America one in Zimbabwe at the moment um, oh good lord they're, yeah they're doing an incredible job to set up the um, documentary launch the cooking class launch which we're planning for the end of July and um, also the ambassador program so when we do roll out the documentary that there's ambassadors that can really share it out there far and wide so yeah well I think it's um uh, it's very difficult to in this sort of COVID era or getting into the COVID era, people in Australia, and this is inevitable, this is not a criticism, this is an observation, people become insular. 
Um, they're more interested in inevitably their family, their community, their country, um, rather than um, uh, uh, understanding that we're also world citizens and um, uh, that we need to make a contribution to development, you know, particularly in, um, uh, in countries like Nepal. So um, in a kind of nuanced way, using cooking classes, the launch of the video to help people as we come out of this horrible pandemic to be able to be a little bit more outward looking to uh, get more tourists to Nepal, to raise a little bit more money, to re-engage that engagement uh, by people with Nepal, I think will be a marvellous thing to do. Yeah, and it's it's actually incredible. I, I never, I, I didn't see that doing cooking classes online would work well because of Zoom and the technology and the Wi-Fi there and the, but um, actually it's been working really well. We had, um, you know, the women have been trained up on how to present online because it's very different, obviously, than yeah. we used to have. Such smart, there's much, such smart people and such yeah. flexible people. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so willing to learn, which has been mm. you know, so, so inspiring to see them grow so much from, you know, basically being illiterate to now um, what the roles that they've stepped into. But um, so we, we've actually, um, we're actually getting a lot of bookings online and we had 60 um, people, 61 people a couple of weeks ago and it was $3,050, $3,050 for us. Um, for That's fantastic. Amazing because you kind of think, I, I just had a moment where I thought, oh my God, yes, like Zoom, there's no limit to the amount of people that you can have kind of on. I mean, obviously a smaller group, they can ask more questions and things, but we've just had an inquiry for 300 people and we're like, whoa. But, the, you know, the potential in fundraising we so need, we, we really um, need at the moment to focus on is amazing. So um, that just that just opens up a whole lot. And also for, for people from all over the world to, to join and to have yeah. that local experience, even though it's online, but still. Yeah. No. Well, look, look, congratulations to you. I think moving from face-to-face -face, uh, small group cooking classes, which is the way that, um, uh, you know, they work in Nepal to doing something large-scale on Zoom and being adaptable so that you still get that engagement, I think is a marvellous um, a marvelous success. And I look forward to uh, participating in one. <laughs> awesome, awesome. That'll be great. Perfect. Um, so, Reese, thank you so much for all your, you know, support and encouragement and efforts and, and for actually, you know, not only encouragement, but actually can't, you came to Nepal to see twice, to see how yeah, you experienced yeah. And that means a lot to us. And, the, you know, the women warmed to you so quickly because you're just such an open and friendly person. And, you know, they obviously felt very comfortable around you. So it was, um, it was amazing to be able to have you and, just, um, you know, you, you, you're a really inspiring person because you're, you know, your life is your message and you're making such a difference through the Spine, Spine Bifida Foundation, you know, from your, from yep, your yep. and um, Koto and, and, and Seven Women. And, and in your career, I can imagine you, you would have had um, made a, a huge difference. And I just want to also mention <laughs> that you're actually, you're actually living that difference because you've got um, a, a girl from Vietnam living with you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So you, you're someone who really um, lives those values. Yeah, look, thanks. Thanks very much. But um, I think that it's so easy to give a little bit back uh, and um, through uh, online cooking classes, through all the different engagements from seven women, we can 
get people to uh, give a little bit back. And when people give a little bit back, they suddenly realise that they get a lot more out of it than um, uh, what, they're, what they're giving. And uh, that encourages them. It sets up, I think, a cycle um, uh, of uh, people, people um, giving more. And look, the other, the other thing that we tend to forget, uh, Australians think of Nepal as a country way up there in the, in the Himalayas that we've got really no affinity with. Um, we've actually got 32,000 Nepali students in Australia. Um, 10 years ago, we didn't have a Nepali student. So um, uh, through those students, Australia's always been a country that has been a country of migrants. I'm a migrant myself. I was born and raised, uh, um, uh, uh, born in Hong Kong. My mother's part uh, Chinese, so we came to Australia as migrants. I don't look it, I know, but that's my background. But, um, uh, uh, you know, we've just celebrated the 41st anniversary of the Vietnamese coming to Australia and look at the huge contribution that they've made. In another 10, 15, 20 years, it'll be the same on a smaller scale, but it'll be the same with the Nepali community. And um, they'll... The Nepalis will um, uh, succeed, um, uh, move into a whole range of occupations. There'll be a whole pile of intermarriage between Nepali migrants and um, uh, people who are already uh, here. So we will see a, a much closer here in Australia, in Melbourne, domestic engagement uh, with Nepalis. And um, that gives me greater, greater confidence that people will know a little bit more about Nepal and therefore be a little bit more open and amenable to be attracted to give um, something and to give back to seven women. Yeah. But look, it's such a fantastic organisation. You've done such a marvellous job. Um, social enterprises very rarely survive, let alone thrive. And um, seven women through your leadership and the great um, leadership of people on the ground. And I miss, I, I miss, um, uh, all of your uh, uh, all of your people in Nepal, I miss them greatly, and I look forward to getting back. But um, they provide such leadership in, in in the whole variety of roles, and have shown such development. Some of your original women with disabilities um, uh, moving from, as you uh, call it, the tin shed, to educating, training tourists, and doing it in a very professional way is such a such a marvellous, marvellous um, success story. So, um, yeah, I hope that uh, uh, we stay involved with Seven Women for many, many years. And I encourage, encourage people in your lives, find out a little bit more about Seven Women. And I think you'll be not so impressed and you'll be able to give back in a small way as well as learn a little bit more about Nepal. And it's, yeah, it's absolutely because of people like you that I've met along the way and, you know, um, have come into the fold and offered their skills and, and passion that we've grown so much. So um, thank you so much. And thanks, Pleasure. For, thanks for being on our seven women edition of the podcast. Super exciting. Thanks for listening to our inspiring humans podcast. And I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any inspiring human in mind that you would like to nominate, please reach out and let us know. Also, you're very welcome to become part of our Facebook group called Inspiring Humans, where you can connect with incredible people from around the globe. 
Uh, thirdly, if you are interested in being part of a global network, we have an incredible community at sevencontinentscouncil.com where we hold events, programs and many different initiatives that you can be involved in. Thank you and see you again soon.